I stand before you today, and I guess this is probably the first time since I've been here as your pastor that I have reached out to members of our women's ministry team and our Joshua's men ministry team, prayer teams, and asked them to specifically and acutely pray for me today. This word has been heavy on my heart for probably three or four weeks now. I can't tell you the last time I've had a heavy word like I do this morning. And I have to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. I have to follow the directive of heaven. There is an urgency that is within me. That this thing we call life, this thing we call walk on this earth, is about to wrap up. Several years ago, I referred to when we first met Don and Jean. I was probably in my second year of pastoring. And if you're a student of the scripture at all, you know the Bible can be pretty graphic. And God gave me a message one day, and I preached it. It was a, it had, it was graphic. It was a, from a graphic part of the Old Testament. And I had a dad come to me a week later. And he scolded me for his elementary age child was not, was present in service the week before instead of going to children's church. He said, you, you gave my daughter nightmares all week long. I never have forgotten that. And so there are occasions, and I know sometimes the young ones, they like to hang out with mom and dad instead of going to kids' church. I understand that. Today is not a good day for that. Today is a very good day for your elementary age child to enjoy kids' church. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. And if you would please stand for the reading of God's word out of reverence. Before I read this scripture, I just want to say how grateful I am for the word that came to us through God's handmaiden last Sunday on Mother's Day. I talked to a family member in Florida that talked about how that word just really 
impacted her life as she watched it online after coming home from her church. Thank you, Courtney, for your obedience. And I'm going to tell you, it's, that message has served as a segue, and it has also brought some confirmation to your pastor's heart. 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening, hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, Father, thank you. Your word is truth. Your word is powerful. Your word in the 21st century is eternal. Your word, like you, has not changed. Speak to us today. Let us get a sense of the reality where we are. Let your Holy Spirit work and send forth your word that it would not return void. And may God be glorified. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. I believe not only this message, but this title has come from the throne of heaven. Sodom and Gomorrah, today and tomorrow. The story of Sodom and Gomorrah is a very acute account about the judgment and the wrath of God upon the wickedness of two cities that were completely consumed with sin. A lot of questions surround these particular two cities. And the question probably raised the most is, why did God judge Sodom and Gomorrah so harshly? Let's first talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. 
The first time we hear of Sodom, it's in Genesis chapter 13, when Lot, Abraham's nephew, noticed how lush the plains of Jordan were outside of Sodom. It was well watered everywhere. He was even compared to the garden of the Lord. Lot would choose this land, and though initially he was dwelling on the plains, he would end up pitching his tent towards Sodom, and he would eventually live in Sodom as one of the key leaders in the city. But Genesis chapter 13, verse 13 states that the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. They were depraved. They were wicked. Vile people lived in Sodom and apparently in Gomorrah as well. If you slide over to Genesis chapter 18, you will see that God reveals to Abraham that he, because of their wickedness, he would was going to judge and destroy everyone in Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin was very grievous. Maybe you ask the question, Pastor, what was their sin that was so grievous? What made God so angry that he said it is enough and was willing to destroy everyone in both cities and even surrounding close by areas. I mean, listen to this judgment. Genesis 19, 24. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. After Lot and his family left, every soul was destroyed. And even the ground and the fruit it produced was judged with fire and brimstone. God saw the need not only to destroy the inhabitants, but to purge with fire the very ground that the city sat on. Well, Pastor, what were the sins? Of Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, it is clear, first of all, that homosexuality and perversion was running amok in the cities. How do we know that? Well, we see that Lot, the nephew of Abraham, was hosting two angels from heaven, but they were in human form. They had come from the Lord. And in Genesis 19 and 4, listen to what it says. In the NLT, it says, But before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom, young and old, which means the young had been influenced by the old, they came from all over the city, and they surrounded the house. And they shouted to Lot, who was on the inside where the men were, and said, where are those men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out so that we can have sex with them. They wanted to molest 
these two angels, all the young and all the old men of the city. Nobody's missing. Everybody in the city is vile. Everybody in the city is, is wicked. And they want to molest the angels in human form right there in the courtyard. The whole city is given to homosexuality and, and perversion and debauchery. And to tell you how warped Lot is, he is so interested in, in making sure and hosting these two angels. And in a warped way to protect these two strangers, he offers his own daughters to these wicked men to be able to violate. Homosexuality and perversion for sure was present. And it was widespread. But that wasn't the only sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. The second thing I see in the word of God is that there was abuse in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen to Genesis chapter 18, verse 20 and 21. The message versions, these are God's words. The cries of the victims in Sodom and Gomorrah are deafening. The city, the, the, the sin of those cities is immense. I'm going down to see for myself to see what, if the, what they are doing is as bad as it sounds. There was abuse that was present. We're not given a lot of detail as to what that abuse was, but there were victims in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah that were being mistreated, that were being abused, all kinds of various kinds of abuse that were happening in these two cities. So we know there was homosexuality and perversion. We know that there was abuse going on in the cities. We also know that they, according to Ezekiel 16, 49, that they neglected the poor. Like every city, they had poor people in their midst. But the scripture says that they were so filled with pride and they were so filled with bread and yet they helped, they failed to help the poor and the needy that were in the confines of their cities. So there was homosexuality and perversion. There was abuse going on of innocent victims. And we see that in the scripture. And then thirdly, uh, they, were, they were neglecting the poor people within the confines of their own city limits. But there was a fourth thing that was going on. And that was this, that they flaunted their sin openly and brazenly. Ezekiel 16, 49 tells us that Sodom was prideful. But listen to this in the book of Isaiah, chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. And God is talking to Jerusalem, and he's talking to Judah. He's talking to his chosen people. And this is what he said is, as he's on the verge of judging Jerusalem and the nation of Judah. He said, Jerusalem is on its last legs, and Judah is soon down for the count. Everything people say and do is a slap in the face of God. They are brazen in their sins. They flaunt their sins like degenerate Sodom did. They flaunt their sins like degenerate Sodom did. Years later, hundreds of years later, God is judging. He's correcting. He's chastising his people in Isaiah chapter 3. And he makes a reference back to Genesis 18 when degenerate Sodom and Gomorrah would flaunt their sin openly in the face of Almighty God. So to review... Sodom and Gomorrah was neglecting the poor, 
They were abusing the innocent. They were practicing homosexuality and every kind of sexual perversion. And you can find that verified in Jude chapter 1 verse 7 of the book right before the book of Revelation. And most of all, they were flaunting their sins arrogantly in the face of a holy God. Let's go on and talk about the reality that Lot's sons-in-law, they were very wicked. Lot's own daughters have to be perverted because later they would prove it by uh, getting their dad drunk and committing incest with their own father. Lot's wife was, must have been somewhat perverted because as she was getting delivered from a city that's being judged with fire and brimstone and the wickedness is being judged by the hand of God, she looks back after being rescued and becomes a pillar of salt. Here's the truth of the matter, and you can find this in Jeremiah 23 and 14. There was no repentance to be found in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. The scripture says none returned to God in either city. It's a sad thought. It's a tragic commentary. But that's the history. And that's just a capsule version of what was going on in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now we go from Sodom and Gomorrah. And now for the next few moments, let's talk about today. We know exactly why. I just showed you why God judged Sodom and Gomorrah. And here's the question. Here's a question I have entertained for many, many years. And I entertain it again today. Is it possible? Have we gone further than Sodom and Gomorrah in our depravity in the United States of America? Are cities in America more depraved and more morally corrupt than those two cities that God rained fire and brimstone down on? Your pastor stands in front of you today to tell you that America, in my theological opinion, is more wicked and more depraved than Sodom and Gomorrah. Here's truth. We know that uh, to start with, it is clear that homosexuality plus is rampant in our country among other uh, sins uh, of moral depravity. The scripture is clear, friend, in Leviticus chapter 18 verse 22. Do not practice homosexuality having sex with another man as with a woman. It is a detestable sin. We read in Romans chapter 1. The New Testament in Romans chapter 1 verse 27 talks about how men abandoned their natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committing shameful acts with other men. In all total, there are nine passages of Scripture throughout the Bible that without reservation describes God hating homosexuality as a sin. In fact, I will tell you, somebody just asked me the other day, do you believe there are uh, levels of sin? All sin is wicked before God. But let me tell you something. There are certain sins that God calls an abomination, something that is detestable and disgusting 
and homosexuality and lesbianism is an abomination in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Let me tell you something. On June 26, 2015, same-sex marriage was declared legal nationwide. At that time, if you recall, Barack Obama proudly splashed the rainbow colors across the White House. That that had always represented our nation's identity and democracy. He proudly splashed the rainbow colors across the White House to celebrate this new low of moral depravity in our country. Let me just say this to you. These colors that for the last 6,000 years have represented God's mercy across a cloudy sky after a storm. The President of the United States at that time made a mockery of those colors and pointed his finger and stuck his finger in the eyes of God. I am convinced that that began a snowball effect that we are now seeing just eight years later. Things have gone bananas. I'm telling you in Sodom and Gomorrah, I never read where there was sexual mutilation of one's self. In Sodom and Gomorrah, I have not read of people wanting to be animals in either of those cities. But I'm telling you, when we took that step and that stand and we voted that in, we opened up a floodgate and we are so close to the judgment of God and we are so close to God raining down fire and brimstone on our land and all I can say Lord is even so Lord come quickly and take the remnant of your church out of this world before your judgment falls on this land my friend it is coming not only is there homosexuality and sexual deviance in our land today that is widespread but there is abuse in our country like we never before have dreamed there is rampant abuse there is widespread abuse there's sexual abuse. There's emotional abuse. There's physical abuse. There is social media abuse. Hello, y'all out there. There's elder abuse. There is spousal abuse. There is bullying in schools. There is trafficking of young people that is at an all-time high. I'm looking, and as I look across this room, and you may have put on your clothes like everyone else, but underneath, there are people in this room that have been victims of abuse. I want you to know that just like in Genesis 18, God sees your tears and he hears your muffled cries. He hears the cries of innocent children. He hears the cries of youth and women that are abused and terrified and bullied by others. He heard the cries in Sodom and Gomorrah and he hears the cries of the abused today. Oh God, help us to return and get a conscience and start treating each other like we should as God intended us to. <laughs> Thirdly, we neglect the poor in our country. While we send billions around the world to help the poor in other countries. That's the truth. Men and women that have fought under our flag and for our freedom, many of them living on the streets today, we would all be aghast 
at how many of them are on the streets today. And granted, some of it is because they went through some emotional and mental trauma when they were over in a, a war zone. But I believe it's also because the government that they went to fight for has forgotten about them. My heart goes to the people in Ukraine as well as everybody in this room. But I'm telling you, when's the next time we're going to spend $5 billion to help the homeless in our streets, in our country? So we're dealing with abuse and homosexuality and perversion. And we're dealing with the neglect of the poor. But let me quickly get to this next point. Because just like Sodom and Gomorrah, our nation flaunts their sin in front of God. And they do it without remorse. And they do it without repentance. And let me tell you something. Sin is sin in the dark. Sin is sin in secret behind closed doors. And God pronounced a woe to anyone who would devise iniquity upon their own beds. But we're not talking about secret sins today. We're talking about a flaunt. We're talking about a display. We're talking about open sin that wants and demands a platform. We're talking about a sin that, that says, you know, we're going to stick our finger in the eye of God. When you openly and boldly and brazenly flaunt your sin and not just ask people to tolerate your sin but to give in uh, to your sin and to agree with your sin and help platform your sin and celebrate your sin it's not just tolerance friend forget that nonsense about the sticker that says uh, coexist and why can't we just go along to get along it's not about that at all you better wake up if you believe that's what it is because it lends itself not toward tolerance but toward dominance Let your pastor give you a revelation. These groups, represented by a whole bunch of letters, they're not just representation of individuals struggling with private sins of the flesh. Jesus loves every one of those with these tendencies, with that history, and will save and will deliver you with complete surrender. This is not about a person and their individual struggle with sin. His mercy is new to you the moment you hit the floor this morning. But I'm here to preach the truth. This LGBTQ, which represents lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or questioning, it is a movement in our land. And for you to wink and look the other way and act like it's not happening, you are deceived. And it's not looking for tolerance. It's looking to be celebrated. This movement has its sights set for dominance. I really believe that. You going to stay with me? I haven't asked the ushers to lock the doors yet. <laughs> Article 1. Florida public school teacher showing a film with a gay character to her young students. And when she was confronted about it, she audaciously responded, and I quote, A parent's right to shield their child from LGBTQ conversations 
is gone when that child attends public school. Article 2. A Colorado mother said her daughter was with sixth graders. They had recruited her for an art club. But it ended up being a gender and sexuality awareness club. The art teacher invited a guest speaker in to tell students that if they were not fully comfortable with their biological sex, that they were transgender. And he even talked to them about how these new labels like queer and transgender might even make them more suicidal. The speaker also warned those in attendance that their parents may not be safe people to turn to as they struggle with their certain identities. Article 3. A Florida pro-trans group is advertising Build a Queer Kit. I'm not going to go into the details of what's in the kit because we're in mixed company. But I will tell you it's filled with devices aimed at helping individuals, particular, particularly minors, transition to another gender. Listen to this. In the kits, they also offer advice to recipients to keep it concealed from their parents. Over a thousand kits have been sent out across the country, and the QT Project gave half a dozen strategies for the kids to get the kits without their parents even knowing. This stuff is very real. This is not tolerance. I'm going to say it again. This is not go along to get along. This is not about coexisting. This is infiltration. And it's moving into our schools, our workplaces, our economy, our government, the entertainment industry, and even into the military. It's not all bad, though. Can you give us some good news? Yes, I'm going to give you some good news right now. Article number four. Because there's still a few governors that have some spine, that have some backbone, and some moral scruples about them. One of them is Governor Kevin Stitt of Oklahoma. He shut down the continued funding of the state's PBS station. Some of you grew up on PBS. Some of you watched PBS as kids. It was Oklahoma's public broadcasting station. And the governor said, why are we spending taxpayer dollars to the indoctrination and over-sexualization of our children? PBS in Oklahoma was airing a segment of a children's book entitled, The Hips on the Drag Queen Go Swish, Swish, Swish. Clifford. The big red dog introducing LGBTQ characters. A same-sex wedding featured on PBS Kids Odd Squad. <laughs> Governor said, you know what? It's no longer going to be funded by the taxpayers of Oklahomans. And I applaud Governor Stitt for his stand. Dear loved one said to me long, not long ago, maybe you should steer clear of politics. This has nothing to do with politics. This has everything to do, and my, I'm passionate about the moral depravity of our country and the silence of the church. What I'm zealous about is that our children 
are left unprotected in schools where we send them to be educated in history and English and math and science and to learn those things in a safe environment. I could get censored. I could get fined. We may have to take up an offering. You may have started a prison ministry and come see me. I sat at lunch with my wife about 10 days ago. And typically it doesn't happen this way, but three texts come in simultaneously to my phone. And as they came in, it was about an upcoming pride parade this coming June 17th, right here in the town of Pulaski. This will be the third pride parade. But listen, this one they've added a wrinkle. They've added another portion to it. And I want to read to you exactly what the promoter said in the text that was sent to me. They said, quote, this year we are also teaming up with instill mindfulness to do some mindfulness at actual pride. For the kiddos, we're going to have a drag queen come read a story. Oh, it's getting ready to get interesting here. Not everybody's going to be happy with me when you all leave here. But let me remind you that two years ago, 80% of our elected school board voted and passed a transgender model policy right after the first pride parade in the town of Pulaski. Two years ago, they voted in a policy that allowed boys into girls' locker and restrooms, and it also made provision for materials to be available in school libraries for young children to be exposed to transgender sexualization material at an elementary level. Could it be that before too long, public school libraries right here in our county would allow drag queens to come into our kindergarten classes and read to our children, maybe even without our knowledge. Oh, you're thinking that's far-fetched, aren't you? You better wake up. Don't be an ostrich. You better get your head out of the sand. I am not and will not endorse a political candidate, but I will tell you that I do not believe the majority of our current school board would prohibit a drag queen from coming into our school classrooms. I believe they would allow it in the name of inclusivity. Furthermore, I believe they would do it without your knowledge. It is an instilled ideology right underneath our noses. I came across a quote this week that just really spoke to my heart, and I hope it speaks to yours. Jack Woodard wrote these words, The battle is raging, and no preacher or Christian can be silent or absent in this battle to be silent is to commit high treason against heaven. What a powerful statement. 
We don't have to be on our heels. We don't have to capitulate. We don't have to acquiesce. We don't have to back up. We need to square our shoulders and hit this thing head on. Our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. I'm telling you, there's great things that can happen when God's people pray and call down the power of God. Changes can take place. I have the mandate to love every single soul created in the image of God, male and female. But I do not have the option to compromise God's holy word. This fall, you, you, you need to know, again, we'll not promote a particular candidate, but I'm telling you, this is coming. If this offends you and this is no longer your home, then so be it. But this fall, you will see it from this church. Two things. One's going to say, vote November 7th, common sense over nonsense. I'm going to tell you the second thing you're going to see. We will also promote safe education for our youth and children. Did you get that? Safe. Safe education. For our youth and children. Are you trying to scare us as parents? No, what I'm trying to do is get you to stir up the gift that is within you that was given to you by the laying on of hands and get back to praying and get back to, to preaching to your kids and get back to teaching them and talking to them and don't send them into a room where they can close the door behind you and, and, and have no idea what's going on. You say, well... November 7th, this is it's not a presidential election. It's not a governor election. And this is how it works. I've been there, done this. I'm guilty. Be the first to raise my hand. We will say things like, it's not as important as those elections. I dare say this year, it's more important. For this is where we live, this is where we work, and this is where we raise our families. As our speaker so passionately preached it last Sunday, among other things, but the most profound things, we need to be and better be battling for our kids. Yeah. Brother Chris, my heart was broken this week. When I watched a clip of a neighboring county school board meeting where a mother got up and talked about how her son went to the restroom and pictures were taken of his genitalia and posted all over social media. And I know SROs can't be everywhere at one time. I understand that. But here's the problem. According to this mother's account, it took several hours before administration stepped in and forced it to be removed from social media. Every parent in here ought to have an empathetic cord that was just hit for that boy. I've been weeping over that boy all week long. I can't imagine the trauma that's been left in that child's life. 
Sodom and Gomorrah. Today, now, give me a few minutes to talk about tomorrow. Jude, verse 7. Don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. These cities were destroyed by fire, and they serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. God didn't send them to damnation. He brought damnation to them. Second Peter. This is the last days. This is tomorrow. This is at any moment. Second Peter says the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth will be burned up. The heavens will be on fire. 2 Peter 3, 7, the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. The implication is there is that, is that fire is being stored up for end time judgment of the earth and the outer heavens. That's what it's saying. 2 Peter 3.13 and Revelation 21 and 1 indicates the destructions of heavens and earth. It's all by fire. Revelation tells about the stars falling from the skies. This world and everything in it will burn up from fervent heat. God will rain down fire upon this earth. And yes, I know it's part of the end time plan. But I cannot help but believe that that hot damnation of fire that will rain down upon the earth is because we have surpassed the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah. We are flaunting it in the eyes of God. I won't mention the minister's name, but was in a revival service and was praying with people and God was using him to get out give out a prophetic word and a young couple they quickly came forward and as they stood in front of him they dropped their heads as if to expect that a prophetic word was soon to come and he looked at him and he said you're living together, aren't you? You need to repent and get your lives straight. Quit sleeping together outside of the marriage bed of covenant. Then maybe God will give you a prophetic word. Right now you're living in sin. As the couple looked up at him in shock, they turned around and walked away, and as they walked away, they gave him the middle finger and walked out the door. How many in churches across our land this morning lifted up their hands but will drop their pants before the end of the day in a bed of immorality? God 
hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. Fornicators and adulterers, the effeminate, will not inherit the kingdom of God. The New Testament says it's better to marry than to burn. Better to marry than to burn with lust. Better to marry than to burn in eternal damnation. While I'm in good and deep, Genesis 1.27 says these words, male and female, he created them. Not a he to a she, not a she to a he, not a he who wants to be a she, or a she who wants to be a he, and by the time he was already he, had, he was created them. He had already created the animal kingdom. He didn't bring us from tadpoles. He didn't bring us from apes. And he sure didn't say, I make an allowance for you to become a furry. The animal kingdom was already created. You say, oh, that's, that's just a fad. I had a pastor friend of mine tell me he got off the plane the other day, and one of the passengers, I guess they ended up having to drive the, the, the bus to the parking lot where he picked up his car, and that person had a tail on their backside. And when they got to the parking lot, they sprinted across the parking lot on all fours. Another friend of mine told me recently, that they have one that comes to church, got an elephant on their head. Tell all your furry friends out there, they're certainly welcome at Pulaski Church of God, but they're going to have to take their elephant heads off. They're going to have to take their furry tails off. They're going to have to take their big ears off. God's already created the animal kingdom. What can we do? When unbelievers stand at the great white throne judgment, they'll have nothing great to refer to. For all they will have done will be burned up with fire. And so, so here's the deal, friend. This, <laughs> this world is going down. It's going down. God's, God's plan is coming to pass. His righteousness will answer this godless and wicked world, and it will be done with fiery judgment. That's his words. So the world is perishing. It's not going to get better. And I know y'all are waiting on a political savior. You're wasting your time. What can we do? 
What we can do is zealously fight for our children and our grandchildren with a whole new level of intensity. We can vote. We can make godly decisions in our homes. I've read some posts this week from within this church that have been greatly encouraging to me. Young parents, and I'm sure they've got, they've got some resistance from young children because some of their entertainment options have been removed. Some of their social media options have been removed because some parents are coming to the realization. And look, let me tell you, I appreciate those that can homeschool, and I, I appreciate those that can afford private school, but there's, a, there's all across this sanctuary, there are parents and, and grandparents that are guardians that send their kids to public schools, and maybe you don't have those things as options. I want you to know you can still make godly decisions in your homes. You can still monitor what your kids are exposed to. You can still be involved in their social media. You can still stand on the promises of God concerning your children. You can still and must still talk to your kids. You have rights in your kids' lives and you have rights in their education. And more than any of all that, you can pray. My God, you can pray. You can pray over their minds, and you can pray over their bodies. Mom and Dad, shudder at the thought. That for one moment in time, your daughter could be indoctrinated adverse to her gender by a perverted teacher or perverted materials. Shudder at the thought of your child not feeling safe to go to the restroom and holding it all day long which medical experts will tell you is not good for them because they're worried about another sex coming into their restroom or locker room or somebody taking pictures with their phone. Discern, parents, if there is a hint that your child at an innocent age could be exposed to story time by someone of a perverted lifestyle. I know you cannot be with them 24-7. But bless God, you can pray. You can pray. And the same angels that encamp around about you encamp around about your children. But you must pray. You must call upon the Lord. Protect my kid's mind. Protect Johnny's mind. Protect Susie's body. One moment in time. And some of you that have been victims of abuse, you know what I'm talking about. It only takes one moment in time to alter your future upon this earth. I have never felt as zealous and convicted about this as I do this morning.
Chapitre. Go into battle for your kids. I'm telling you, this altar is open for anyone that needs prayer about their personal lives. I'm not prying into your business. If you've got something you need to repent over and pray over, this altar is open for you. Come on, Tony. But I, I, I especially, especially want to invite every single parent and grandparent that is here to get ready in just a few moments. I'm going to ask you to come do some warfare praying over your kids like you've never prayed before. A lot of them are in kids' church. They're in nursery. They're in toddler care. We're not pulling them out. This is, this is a time. My God, I feel, I feel the Holy Spirit. I feel the Holy Spirit. I, I, I just sense in my heart that there's just been that, that nauseous feeling that Daniel had when he had that revelation from the Lord. I've, I have felt that all morning today. That God really wants his children. He wants his people to ring heaven's bells. He wants his people to shake the caverns of hell with prayers for your kids and your grandkids. This prayer, this, this moment in time could make all the difference in their future. Don't leave them unprotected by your apathy. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. We'll be the first. We'll be the first. You ready to come and do some warfare praying? Come on, leave from where you are. I know the school year's ending. I'm telling you right now, God's assigned this word for this hour. If you want to kneel, kneel. If you want to stand, stand. But I believe the Lord wants us to cry aloud our kids' names. My God, don't worry about who's around you. Don't worry about who's around you. Forget who's around you. Ring heaven's bells. Shake the caverns of hell right now. You say, well, I just have a toddler. I just have, a, I have an infant. Let me tell you, your prayers today make a difference tomorrow. Come on, lift it up, saints. Lift it up, saints. If the Holy Ghost comes on you, don't you quench it. You pray in the Holy Ghost. You build up your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost. My God, my God. I feel it rising. I feel it rising. Your kids may be grown. Pray for them. You got grandkids. Call their names in prayer. That's right. Oh, the Holy Ghost is moving. He's moving. Sodom and Gomorrah, today and tomorrow. My God. I believe we're on the verge of tomorrow. I believe we're on the verge of tomorrow. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost through people's prayers. I feel the Holy Ghost through people's prayers. Protect their minds. 
I rebuke every foul spirit that would try to work through a person to infiltrate our children's minds with filth and garbage about their sexuality. I bind every demonic force that is sent to call someone to evil influence against the bodies of our children. My God! Pray, saints! Bombard the doors of heaven! Praise saints! Praise saints! I feel the Spirit of God in this place! 